Welcome back to Trade Up with TJ, talking all things health, wealth, business and lifestyle for tradies. Today, you've got an epic guest on, Matt from Elevate Building Group. How are you, brother? Good, mate. Good. Thanks for having me. Nah, thanks for driving down, mate. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Nah. Um, let's just start off. We'll just dive straight into it and just yeah. start off where you first started, how you got into the industry, um, how long you've been in the industry and just sort of give us a bit of backstory of how it all happened. Yeah, so it depends how far back we want to go, but... I, Probably 15 years, I reckon. Um, so straight out of school, I went to Marsland College, which was uh, a pretty well-respected school. Um, good thing about them, they, they were quite diverse in terms of the the um, experiences and the courses and things like that that they offered. So through my time there, I always had um, a bit of a bit of an insight and a bit of a um, uh, just will to sort of try try different avenues. So I did a bit of woodwork and, and design subjects and all that sort of stuff. So that's what sort of sparked my interest. And even at home, I was always sort of tinkering around with my hands in the garage and things like that. So I was always sort of that way inclined. Um, even my family, it was sort of more, they were more sort of white collar. So um, professionals and and um, and sort of the, the idea was that once you finish school, you sort of go to uni. Um, so straight out of school, out of year 12, I actually was at Swinburne um, for a better part of a year doing industrial design. Um, so I thought that was the course. I eventually wanted to get into property and, and architecture, go down that route. Um, but um, I gave it a crack and after the first semester, I just remember thinking to myself, this is not, It's to be honest, I probably could have finished it and I was doing all right, um, but just didn't stick. There was just no passion there and I was just doing it for the sake of doing it. So. Um, I sort of, I was umming and ahhing and mid-semester break, school holiday, or mid-semester break, the, the uni holidays, I um, asked around a couple of mates, old mans who were tradies and um, got a labouring gig um, with with a friend of a friend who was actually a builder. And um, it was just nothing glamorous. It was just labouring work. Like, we were just pulling up concrete and things like that. And, like, I genuinely loved it. I, I really did. It was yeah. just... Uh, I'd always worked from a young age, like I worked at Video Easy back in the day from 14 to nine months and and um, had jobs bartending and stuff like that. But um, this was the first job that I had that was physical labour outside. Yep. Um, whether it was rain, hail or shine, it didn't really matter. It just I just enjoyed it. And the biggest thing that I found through that role, as I said, although it was just labouring, you could actually see, it was a reward for the effort at the end of the day, you could actually see the progress that you made. Every other job, it was just customer service, whether it was yep. bartending or rewinding videos or selling DVDs. It wasn't overly interesting. So um, that sort of sparked, I'm like, maybe I'm going down the wrong road in terms of industrial design, doing folio subjects, cooped up in in an office every day, sort of just staring at a desk. Just didn't, didn't really, there was no passion there. So thought about it, thought about it. And as uni was coming up again to go, go again for the new semester, I'm like, no. Nah. I'm getting out. So, um, as I said, had a bit of an experience at Marsland with woodwork. Um, they called it design tech where you're just making furniture and, and yeah. all different stuff. And I was sort of relatively handy with tools. Like I knew my way around power tools and hand tools and all that sort of stuff. So I just sort of thought car if I was to do a trade, carpentry would be the one. Um, and then thinking more about it, carpentry, on a project start to finish. You're, you're framing it and then you're also doing the, the finish and fix work, hanging the doors, doing the fit off of door handles and all that sort of stuff. So I liked the diversity of it or the idea of the diversity. Um, but it wasn't only that, I sort of had an idea that carpenters often through that experience start to finish projects often made the best builder. Um, that's subjective, but that's what I had in my head. And then I sort of thought, well, okay, if I can put myself in the best position to become a builder, being a builder, you can turn into a developer, you can do your own projects and get into property and designing those projects yourself and sort of your opportunities are endless, really. Yeah. Um, so all of that played out in my head when I was sort of trying to weigh up, what, what am I doing? Like when, you, when you're 18, fresh out of school, no one really knows what they want to do. There's no issue with that, but I just sort of, I'm one that sort of, I don't like wasting time. I sort of like to be aiming somewhere with sort of a bit of purpose. So um, that was that. Pulled the pin on uni, enrolled in a pre-apprenticeship 
yep. at um at Box Hill TAFE. Within yeah a couple of weeks, I was I was there, basically um, doing the pre apprenticeship prior to finding an apprenticeship. Um, that was about a three month course. Did that. Once we completed that, it was time to sort of hunt around for um, an employer. So back in the day, I don't know whether Seek or or, or um, online wasn't too much of a thing. Like back then, Facebook was only just picking up. So it was like yeah. um, businesses online wasn't a big thing. So I remember I picked up a local paper and was looking through the listings. And um, there was a local builder that was looking for, I remember the remember the ad it was a local builder that did renovations extensions the next suburb over from ours so that was nice and local and then um they're after a, an apprentice and a qualified carpenter so i sort of looked at that and i was what have i got to lose so i applied sat down in the meeting with him and um he, he seemed young he was sort of yeah late 30s again i sort of picked his brain as to what scope of works they did i just didn't want to be pigeonholed in framing for four years because yeah i wanted to sort of get a bit of diversity and, and what he said to me was that they just do renovations extensions of existing homes but then they also do a bit of insurance work so that ticked my boxes and I, I didn't really know any difference I was willing to give it a go um, and then fast forward a few weeks he gave me the trial and I was I was on board working alongside another qualified carpenter and and he was more the the um, the business owner just floating around drifting in drifting out and just pretty much went from there. It was yep. great, yeah. So yep. I was fortunate in regards to sort of their scope of works and and the projects that they, they tackled. Um, I think that's what kept my sort of passion and interest alive because every day was sort of something different and it put me on a good path to sort of get a bit of exposure to all the different aspects of it and pick and choose which one I wanted to sort of chase. Yeah, yeah. So even like going into that, going to uni, you sort of already had that design and... Yeah. wanting to build stuff you obviously just worked out then further down the track you want to actually use your hands to build it not the computer you well, could say that's right and i mean the course that i was doing it was industrial design so everyone sort of goes hang on what's that and it's actually it's almost the way the best way to explain it is it's it's a it's a hybrid of almost graphic design and architecture in a roundabout way so it's it's designing it's it's designing to a brief and solving a problem so like we were doing things like we were looking at ergonomics designing chairs or designing door handles or designing things to fit a function or, or fit a purpose. Yep. And it is very much problem solving, similar to what a trade-minded individual is good at. So yep. as I said, it was it was a different way of thinking. Um, and I didn't I didn't mind it, but I just knew that it wasn't it wasn't the best wasn't the best fit for me. So I knew yep. there was a better option. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And then obviously did you go through your apprenticeship with the same um, yep. boss Till you finished? Yep. Yeah, so it was so the subby that I jumped on board with working day to day, he actually I reckon it was six months after I started with this mob. He sprung it on the employer that um he decided to sell the family home, pack up, put his family in a caravan and travel Australia. So that sort of threw a spanner in the works. But um I was a little bit surprised, but my boss never actually replaced him. Um, so pretty much just left me on site with sort of some labour hire carpenters drifting and drift out. But it was pretty much, we were doing smaller scale renovations. So you could get away with one person on site ticking along and some supplement labour to help out with um, sort of the framing or the trusses and things like that. And that's pretty much what happened for the next three years. So a lot of the majority of the time I was working by myself um, and... My boss, who was a builder, was just drifting out, drifting in, drifting out, giving us a scope of works for me to fulfil. So although it's a bit unorthodox leaving an apprentice unsupervised, it was like, I think, fast forward, looking back on it now, it's like, well, he trusted in me to be able to fulfil the scope of works, trusted in me to be able to deliver and, and meet expectations. But also, I was working alongside other trades. So whether it be plasterers or tilers or sparkies or plumbers, I was a point of contact. Yeah. So I was almost, although I was only back end of my first year, second year, third year, I found myself in a position where I was managing and, and sort of delegating other trades as well. So, yeah, although it's unorthodox, putting an apprentice in that position, I, I sort of thank my employer for that because I think that's put me on the on the path that I am now because I sort of always exposed to that pressure early on. Yeah. And I didn't really know any different. It was just, okay, this is the role that I've been given. 
let's see if I can And have you just a crack. probably took the initiative, would you say as well, just in that situation, just to go, well, I'm here, I've got to work it out? Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. I'm I like to think I'm pretty sort of cool, calm and collected. It's not not much really phases me. Like I don't get overwhelmed. I just like what needs to be done, let's assess the situation, what's what's the task at hand and work out how to best achieve it. So yep. whether my whether my boss sort of recognised that in me and that's why he just sort of lumped me in that position and, and put responsibility on me, but there were no real complaints. It's, um, yeah, and as I said, looking back, I'm sort of pretty thankful because he gave me the opportunity to sort of grow and progress from there. Yeah, and probably turned you into a leader probably from sort of day one in a way as well, yeah. you'd say. and it's also like work ethic and initiative yep. as well. I mean, if you're an apprentice, I don't know, I see, I see a lot of young people nowadays, they just sort of wait for instruction and just sort of stand there. There's no forward thinking, there's no initiative, there's no, you've got to be proactive. Um, and because I was in that position, there was no one else. It's like, yep. I'm sitting there eating smoko by myself. Once you finish your food, there's no one to talk to, so you might as well just get back up and work, work. you know? Yep. Whereas, yeah, if, if you're sort of in a different environment, it's sort of like everyone's having a laugh and smoko might drag out for an hour or something like that. So it's just, um, it was a different environment, but really, I, I don't think it was, it was nothing but positive, really, yep. yeah, for my growth. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And then obviously, fast forward a little bit, you did your apprenticeship, went through your time, and then did you just go, I'm going out on my own, like still had that probably next initiative to just keep going? Yeah, as so when I first started with my boss, with, with, in the apprenticeship interview, he sort of picked my brains as to what, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I just told him flat out, oh, I want to become a builder. That's why I'm sitting here in, in your office having this interview because I see what you're doing and I think me working for you can put me or expose me to what needs to be done to be able to have the experience to get there. Yep. Um, so I was pretty transparent in that. And as I was doing my apprenticeship with him, obviously the experiences that I had gave me a bit of confidence. So as an apprentice, I've always been, I think I've always had good work ethic. So as an apprentice, I had a part-time job bartending as well on the weekends and of nights. Um, I was also working for a pharmacy delivering medication to nursing homes of a night as well while I was an apprentice. So I was always working trying to earn a dollar. So um, that was in the early days. And then once I got a bit of confidence, I just started doing client work as an apprentice. Nothing glamorous, it was just fixing doors and like handyman maintenance type stuff. But that I was, as I said, I was working as a bartender after hours and on weekends. And then once I got a bit of confidence, just swapped that out for carpentry yep. sided sort of um, client work and side jobs um, just to earn a, an extra dollar and things like that. So that sort of experience and um, an opportunity, I guess, sort of gave me a bit of hunger to work for myself. Um, and then I sort of started thinking again, I was about halfway through my apprenticeship. I'm like, okay, where do I go from here? I'll be finished in two years with my boss. I can keep working for him. I can go and work for someone else on wages. Ideally, I want to start my own business. Ideally, I want to try and get my builder's license and go from there. So what do I need to do now to put me on that path? So I started looking up what you need to do to get your builder's license. First thing was certificate four. So I was halfway through my Cert 3 and my TAFE where I was doing my Cert 3, the block release schooling um, for carpentry apprenticeship, they actually offered a Cert 4. So I enrolled on the Cert 4, took a couple of years off footy and was doing the Cert 4 as I was doing my Cert 3, um, doing that at night school. So by the time I finished my Cert 3, I'd finished my Cert 4 and everything that I learned through um, the night schooling about business and and management and all that sort of stuff, I sort of had the tools to be able to start my own business because in my mind, builder was the end goal. So having business history, although lack of time qualified or lack of time and experience, if I've got the business history and the structure to support that, I think that sort of balances it out in a way. It, yep. it can be respected from the assessors. So literally as soon as the, it was pretty much the day I finished my apprenticeship, I'd already registered a business name and everything like that and from there got company gear made up, although it was only me wearing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was company gear and yeah. stencils and stuff like that and it was that's when Elevate started early 2014 and then um, I was just subbing to, to that employer yeah. um, under a, a proper legitimate company with all the insurances and everything like that 
And I even remember my accountant said to me, he goes, mate, it's not necessary. I'm like, you don't understand why I'm doing it. I'm doing financially, it's probably not the smartest way to go because you've yep. got all these added overheads and all these fees, but I'm doing it now so I can establish a decent business history and company structure. So then when I do go for my builder's license, it's not a brand new company. It's been running as a carpentry crew for X amount of years and it, it earns a bit more respect in the assessor's eyes. Yep. So. That was that. Um, and I was just subbing into that employer for probably six or, yeah, probably six or eight months and a couple other builders as well. And then the workload just grew. I found myself putting subbies on just to help me. We were just doing carpentry packages for them. So yep. frames, lock up, fix work, all that sort of stuff. And I was always using an extra set of hands and I sort of figured I'm paying a premium. I'm paying these other subbies 40, 50 an hour who are like me to stand on the ground and cut eave sheets or cut weatherboards. There's a smarter way to do this. I can employ a young kid, train him up, and he can fulfil the role that they are on the ground, cutting for me while I'm up on the scaff yep, or yep. problem solving, and they're half the price. Yep. But at the end of the day, because I'm doing carpentry packages, it's the same quoted price, the whole package, but my expenses are half yep, because it's yep. a young kid. So that's what I did. So I um, asked around, ended up employing mate's cousin who was fresh out of school um and then pretty much just started the cycle from there and just rolled on a couple yep. of subbies to help out the supplement and then that was sort of the end of 2014 into 2015 and then it just grew and grew and grew yeah and then sort of took off from there you'd say like and then just kept ticking along got your license and went through that process to then yeah. go fully out on your own you would say essentially so we were starting yeah so back to that was 2015 and we had quite a good network just through local timber yards and, yep. and local suppliers. There's always everyone sort of, we live in, in Greensboro in, in Diamond Valley, northeast of Melbourne, and every builder and trade in the area typically knows everyone. So it's, um, it's word of mouth. So if you do good work, you're a good crew and, and, um, and you've got good relationships, you're not going to have any issues finding work. So um, that was sort of the method that I adopted and and it did, it just grew. So I was always pulling in subbies and things like that. So my first apprentice, um, just me and him. And then uh, six to eight months later, put on another apprentice and another subby and it just grew. And then we had the opportunity to be able to essentially separate yeah. um, and, and, and cover two projects at any one time, which was great. And that was the first sort of exposure that I had to basically trying to, trying to manage, not just what's in front of me, not just yep. the task at hand, but actually trying to be across and forward plan and try and try and manage other guys on another site. Um, yep. So I sort of used the opportunity that other builders gave us as a carpentry crew to sort of audit their systems and, and their operations and their management as well and try to learn through them while working under them and try and manage their projects. Yep. So How'd you sort of go at that first few, like trying to do probably working during the day and then do, going home doing the book work at night like did you yeah. sort of try stagger it like that you would say in a sense it's pretty full on like I, I guess even today like I'm still a bit of a control freak so when work was going on site I always want to be on site so yep. um, that's the thing I wasn't one just to set up the boys and, and nick off um, wasn't that they weren't capable but it was more I wanted to be there facilitating i'd quoted the package so i knew what labor allowance was for each scope of works so you try and delegate and and they might do things not wrong but they might do things a different way that takes a bit longer the minute that happens i'm losing money so yep. also the way i was looking at it um if their labor goes over time it's costing me money whereas if my labor goes over time it's only costing me time. It's not actually physical coin out the door, yep. which I could absorb. So yep. that was sort of my way to um, protect myself from losses. You've, you've, I had plenty of time at, at that stage. I was willing to work all hours. So um, I was willing to lose time. I wasn't willing to lose money. Yep. I mean, you've got a friend, uh, employees. Cash goes out the door really, really quick. Yeah, yeah. And they, they're never going to care as much as you sometimes in the sense as well. Yeah. But it's yeah. still your well, baby. it's just a different way of thinking. You sort of, you don't try to protect them, but they're not across the inner workings of the business or the costings and things like that. Yeah. And as I said, they, they, they were great, hence why they had a role in the business. But it was just at the time, I was still learning as well. So if I, I, if I pulled away from site and worried about running around with a clipboard quoting jobs... 
it's not the best use of time. Yep. I can do that after hours when, when the phone stops ringing, when there's not much action on site. Yep. How'd you go sort of quoting those first few and like submitting that first yeah. quote? Like, just, Yeah, Learn, I'm laughing because it was just learn, learn through doing. Yep. Like no doubt over the years I've, I've left a ton of money on the table from under quoting or, or oversights or lack of efficiency. But I'm an advocate for learning, learning by doing. Um, yep. and, and the biggest thing is just being calculated in the areas that you do roll the dice in because if it does go south, then you're in a position to recover rather than shutting the doors and you can't afford to pay the boys and all that sort of stuff. So yep. that's um, it's, there's been a few tough lessons. I mean, I've had some builders basically go belly up on me and, and never pay and never seen it been chasing builders for money and things like that over the years but um they're the sort of relationships and the lessons that you take out of it and go well maybe i should have saw the early signs and probably should have never engaged in in uh scope of works with those guys because they were dodgy from the get-go so yeah 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 it's definitely one thing that you learn even now even when you quote a job you probably still go oh fuck is that right you sort of second guess those there's a lot of guessing still yeah, you can take as much as a guess out, but it's still a calculated guess, I believe, as well. There's just so many variables. Like even, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Melbourne weather, but it's like it seems the rain is is a lot more common now than what it was probably five, ten years ago. So it's even now, like if if we're on, out on site framing, and it's 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 raining here and there, if if you don't have any inside work, you sort of try and roll the dice. But then the boys are ducking in and out of the rain for a third of the day. You got three guys on site. It's a three, four, five hundred bucks down the drain that day where there's no been no productivity. So it's all those variables that you've got to allow for. And that's the thing, if you're trying to be tight on your costings, you sort of those what ifs often get cut and then no job ever goes to plan perfectly. <laughs> ever. So no, never. it's like a lot of the time if you're trying to if you're trying to scrimp and save, you're going, Yeah, I reckon we can do it for this price. And you get yep. to the end of the job, you go, it blew out again. And like so, you get to the end. There's no, there's no profit or there's no cream at the end of the job. Yeah. So it's just about taking those experiences, and making sure you learn from them, and having the facts and the figures at the end of it to make sure you know how and why it went wrong. Yeah. Even like touching on quoting and that kind of thing as as well. Like, what would you say about sort of your client when you are submitting the quote and going to the client and they're saying, "Oh, it should be cheaper. I've had a quote here cheaper." It always comes up with everyone. Like, how have you? Like sometimes you might not be the cheapest, but like, are you more selling probably the experience and the client relationship? Is that something you're big on? I think that's what I'm doing now. Early yep. days, I was always just trying to basically meet the client's needs, and sometimes the client's needs or wants was through lack of education. So they had in their head what they wanted to spend, and I'm a bit of a yes man and a people pleaser. So it's like, well, okay, I want the job. So what do I need to do? Even if it does mean of I've slashed my margins to be able to get the job across the line. I would do it back in the day. Yeah. Um, but now, lessons learned. It's like, it goes into why I've sort of worked so hard to establish a brand. I try and draw in people that want to work with me rather than me trying to fight to win a job competing against four other builders. You have four or five builders or, or tradesmen quote the same job none of those individuals' prices are going to be exactly the same. They've all got different business models. They've all got different overheads. They've all got different structures. So you, you've got to respect and honour each individual's costing and from the consumer's point of view, work out, okay, who, what am I comfortable spending? Who do I want to work with? Because if you're engaging in a project, it could be a month, it could be 12 months. You want it to be an enjoyable experience so, okay, you might be choosing a price that's 5 or 10% cheaper, but if it's an unpleasant experience, is it really worth it? Not really. So it's, I'm all about now, and it's taken 10 years to get to this point, but I'm all about drawing the right people in. I'll only engage in projects that for clients that I, I appreciate and we get along with because that's, what, that's what's fulfilling for me. Yep. At the end of the day, yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's cool. When you say, like, obviously establishing that brand and doing that, would that made you sort of go down the block route and jump on that? Or how'd that yeah. all come about? Yeah, so the block's definitely helped. That's been... It's been great exposure for the business. So the first time I did the block was 2015. So I was eight months out of my apprenticeship. So 
you talk about sink or swim, that's probably <laughs> that's probably the pinnacle, I reckon. Um, the how that came about, um, a mate's older brother actually did it a few years prior, yep. um, and I bumped into him at the timber yard, and he mentioned that um, just off the cuff comment, he goes, "Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Contestants from the block called me." And I said, oh, did they? What, are you going to do it again? And he goes, nah, nah, I had a shocking experience. I'd never do that again. I said, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, nah, nah, I just told him I couldn't do it. I said, do you still have their number? I said, I'll do it. And he's like, you're kidding me. After everything that I've told you, I said, what have I got to lose? Uh, the, way, the way I looked at it, I'd always watch the show. And a few years prior, me and my, me and my wife now, girlfriend at the time, we... Um, we actually applied a few years prior because I just I was I was a tradesman. I sort of loved it, watched it, thought why not? Obviously, didn't get on. And then um, yeah, I was having this conversation with um, a mate's brother in the timber yard, and he goes, "Oh well, if you want, I can pass on your number." He goes, "But just be careful because it's 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 hard work, and and you you're at the mercy of the producers. You don't know um, how they're going to betray you. And if you're putting your personal brand and, and your company brand on the line." You got to be prepared to have a crack. So, so that was that. Didn't really think anything more of it, and and um, then I just carried on with um, with the project that I had on at the time. And I was working at a project in Mitcham with my apprentice, and um, I just got the phone call from the contestants. So, um, this bloke passed my number on to the contestants, and uh, they called me and they said, um, "We're from the block. Do you want to be our builder?" And I'm just like. What have I got myself into? <laughs> so I just sort of didn't know what to say. I said, ah, uh, yeah. And they go, okay, well, it starts at 2.30 today. We need you here, ready to go. We've got a 24-hour challenge. <laughs> so I, this is at Smoko. And I had started at that job at 7 a.m. with my apprentice. And I just sort of said to him, okay, no worries. So I hung up the phone. I just said to Louie, my apprentice, I said, mate, pack up all the tools, everything that's in the tool trailer because... The, job, the the block that project was in Commercial Road in South Yarra. So I wasn't going to take a tool trailer out there. So get all the tools, pack them in the back of the ute. We'll have an early knockoff. I've got to go in. And he, his head was in a spin. He's like, what, what's going on? I said, I'll fill you in later. So that was that. Dropped the trailer off at home and then um, headed into Commercial Road in South Yarra at 2.30, as they said. And I got out of the car and cameras in your face, microphone, everything like barely got out of the car barely closed the door car door and that was pretty much it and that was that was day one um so that was straight into a 24-hour challenge and as a result we had to turn around one of the bedrooms like full strip out full redo and deliver it by the next day so we worked through the night so started on my own job at 7 a.m went to this Went to, went to the block at 2.30, worked through the night, finished at 4.30 the next day. So like 38 hours swinging a hammer and I was empty by the end of it. And I, I just sort of thought to myself, what have I got myself into? Like six months out of my apprenticeship, trying to, pretending to fulfil the role as a builder on national TV. <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I've backed myself into a corner here. Yeah, yeah. But the contestants, like hats off to them, they got a heart of gold. We're still great mates now. Yeah. Um, we were literally empty because we hadn't slept and, and worked so hard for those 38 hours. And they just sort of said, so, like, you've bailed us out here. Are you in a position to commit to the next 12 weeks? Because that's how long the show goes for. And I'm just like, eyes hanging out of my head. I just sort of said, oh, yeah, if, if you want me to. So they go, yeah, sweet, no worries, done. You're on. So then... Sunday went home, pretty much slept all day, recouped, and then Monday back into it. That was week one of 12. Crazy. Madness, so, madness. Yeah. And I still look back at that now. Like, it's just, I was 23. Yeah. Pretending to be a builder on national TV. Like, it's just, it's laughable. It really is. Yeah. But I think as a result of that, like that first season, they looked after us in terms of production and, and, the, and the edit. Actually, no, I won't say they looked after us, but they... they they showed how hard we worked. Yeah. And I think that was that was testament to the show and the franchise and the production crew appreciating how I operated and, and the team that I brought in to supplement the labour and, and the contestants. Like, we all got along really well because we really enjoyed what we were doing yep. and, and showed our passion. Um, 
like there's a lot of trades that go on the show and they get eaten alive in terms of doing dodgy work or unreliable or bad attitude or short tempers. At the end of the day, like that's what they're putting out there. They're yeah. not they're probably not fit for that environment. Yeah. So the block has a bit of a stigma from other people in the in, in the industry, but it's exactly that. It's a TV show. Like yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's got to make it's it. It's a TV show before it's a building show. Yeah. That's what makes the storyline. So that's what you're committing to. So if you've got a short temper, you're not, you're not, it's not a good fit for you. Yep. So um, I think that's why we got shown in, a, shown in a good light because I think they respected how we operated and subsequently as the years went on, we went every second year. So we did 2015, 2017, which we won. Yep. 2019, which we won again. And then I did a bit in 2021 and then went again last year in 2022. Yeah. So four four times over eight yep. years yeah yeah and then obviously different contestants as well each yeah. year yeah how's yeah. it sort of go operating with them sort it's, of like it's hard mate like it's it's always a different you know you know what it's like working with clients each client's yeah. different yeah so not only that but you're thrust into this pressure cooker environment yeah and everyone handles the pressure differently um so i think in a roundabout way the contestants sort of lent on me a fair bit because i'd been through it before yeah and i knew I knew the process, I knew the pressures, I knew the structure, I knew how you could sort of, even just structuring your weeks to make sure that you weren't backing yourself into a corner on a Friday and Saturday, all that sort of stuff. So um, I've still got a great relationship with most of the contestants. Like it's, 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 it's a really tough environment, but as long as you've got mutual respect and you both pitch in, yep. then that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, cool to think like you've gone back those few times. So you obviously didn't hate it as much as nah. your mate did at the start. <laughs> and I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of trades get chewed up and spat out, or or they get they get portrayed as as the rough or untrustworthy or dodgy tradesmen. And it's like I'm sympathetic towards that, but it's like, well, how are you? How are you presenting yourself? You're you're walking into a franchise that's on national TV. It's like yeah. you sort of got to be. A little bit smarter than that you, yeah. you you on a tv show it's not a typical building site so yeah that's that's what you should be prioritizing for some first and foremost and that's why that's why i kept going back because yeah. there's other from an exposure and an advertising point of view like it doesn't the only thing it costs me is basically my time like i go in on an hourly rate it's a bit a little bit less than what i charge in the outside world so i'm i'm losing there yeah but I mean, there's a million viewers a night mm. and I'm still getting paid every hour that I'm there. Yeah. There's other suppliers that are paying millions to, yeah. be, to be on the TV show to, to get that sort of exposure. I mean, you've got the likes of Beaumont Tiles and V-Lux and all the Colourbond Steel, all these juggernauts that are fighting for a little bit of airtime and I'm, I'm on there with my logo and the contestants wearing my gear. Like yeah. it's from a business sense... And a, and a promotional sense, it's it's un, unbeatable, I reckon, honestly. Yeah. And also personal growth. Like, looking back when I was 23, <laughs> starry-eyed and fresh out of my apprenticeship, <laughs> it's like, what better way is there to sink or swim and and um, and sort of back yourself into a corner and have no other choice but to sort of have a crack and commit and yeah. see how you go. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, like even going through that and you mentioned your partner and you obviously wanted to jump on it yourselves. How's she been with the whole process of when that first time when you said, you're not she, coming with me, but I'm going to build on yeah, the block. So <laughs> she, nah, she, Courtney was all for it. She, yeah. lo she loved the show as well. Yeah. Um, and her family as well. They all, their eyes lit up the first time. The second, third, fourth, fifth time that I went round again and again. The, um... The second, third, fourth, and fifth time that I went round again, it just sort of turned into the old, oh, here we go again. Because <laughs> they knew what, like, I'm one that once I commit, I'm all in. Yep. So it's, I'll pretty much go MIA for those three months because that's, that's my priority at the time. Like, I'm out the door at five to be on site before seven, obviously. But then there were days there, like, I even looked through my, my camera roll the first few times I did it, like there were there were times there I was working until three AM. I'd knock off, drive home, have a shower, have a quick snooze, and I was back there at seven thirty. Like it's just 
even now looking at that, that's it's almost like a badge of honor because it's just like it was madness. Yeah. And I was just caught in that loop of I won't I won't fail. I won't yeah. like I, I won't I won't pull any punches or I won't fall short because I'll just do whatever it takes. But there were times like a couple of times I was towing a trailer, so I'd have to drop it off at the factory and like I'd unhitch the trailer, get back in the car, and a couple of times I fell asleep in the car parked out the front of the factory. Or there was one time I fell asleep in the shower. Like it's just just because I was having like I was yeah. going that hard, and I'm, I'm, it's definitely not sustainable. But I'm just of the thought that like you, it's sometimes it's what you got to do. You know. Yeah, yeah, you so, got to put in the hard work. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if you just if you just clock your eight hours a day, you're not really going to progress. You're no. just going to sort of go with the crowd, and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. leaving you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's got, you got to work with it and. If it's like a saying, what do they say? If you want to buy something without looking at your bank account, you got to be able to not look at the clock while you work. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Or sort of, you got to be able to buy it three times before you actually buy it. Yeah, have the money there to be able to buy it three times over. Things yep. like that. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's all about perspective. But it's just like, as I said, same as like early days. I just sort of thought, like I've got my own resources. I've got my own time. Like. I'll work overtime. I'll work. I'll be laying floorboards at three in the morning. I don't really care. Like yeah. it's just because if that's what needs to be done to be able to, because the, never once was that shown on TV. Never once was that shown that I was there at 2am, 3am, 4am running off or, or working through the night, not sleeping for 38 hours. Like yeah. it wasn't shown. And I, and I didn't do that for a pat on the back of the glory. I did that. So the room was done, Yeah, you know, and, and no one could question oh, they fell short, like they didn't have a crack. Yeah. It was just like, I just won't let the room not be done. Yeah. So yep. whatever needs to be done, if I need to pull in re- more resources or work through the night, then so be it. And that's the thing, I think a lot of people respect that because if you've got a great work ethic, it immediately earns trust because it, it just shows that you're passionate. So Yeah. That's cool. And then obviously talking about your partner and your wife now, Courtney, yep. obviously you got a little family going along. How's that been like transition? Obviously being on the block and you've yeah. still done obviously the last few years. Like yeah, how's that right. been with the family and sort of being yeah. that family man as well as a business owner? And a so Court, yeah, Courtney and I, what we've been together 14 years now, yep. uh, married for four yep. almost. So it's, um, she's great. She's... She was a night a nurse, so she wasn't in the industry. So it's it's hard in that respect. She doesn't obviously she's been exposed to it because it's my been my obsession for the past fifteen <laughs> years. So she's she's had insight into it, but she's not in the industry. So it, that that is hard on some fronts. Um, but in in terms of obviously starting a family with Courtney and and our, our daughter Matilda, she's two years old now, um, and we've got William who's four weeks old so um I'd, I'd like it like becoming a father i think it's it's nothing matures you more than the responsibility of raising kids like nothing it's just it it forces you i think everyone is selfish in their own right when it's just them when you find a partner you become a little bit less selfish but then once you have kids they are the single most important thing going on at that time so it's 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 my personal preference. My my personal opinion is that it's it's just it's it's the greatest thing and it's the greatest way to progress as an individual. So yeah. I, I look at sort of I look at becoming a father in contrast to sort of starting a business and having employees. It's it's like starting. It, it, they all take the same traits and they all take the same patience and mentality. Um, but running a business is here having employees is here and then having <laughs> a wife and kids is up here and then trying to manage all of those all of those in in a bit of a pressure cooker environment it is tough but i think it's just um just a matter of doing your best and prioritizing what you need to prioritize so you can be at your best so you can be a pillar of strength for, the, for those around you and you can um be a leader yep. yeah yeah so it's just another role where you've probably had to lead the same as what you do at work in a way you would say well yeah yeah yep. and i mean that's the thing like I've, I've been running a business for 10 years now with i mean i've got eight eight employees at the moment yep. i mean over the years we've probably had honestly reckon about 30 or 
35 guys come through the ranks, whether they just be subbies or, um, but they've been on the books for some period of time. And you, you get really good at managing and dealing with people's personalities because everyone's different. So it's about trying to sort of audit the individual without getting too invasive, but trying to work out how you can get the best out of them. And then I find I'm doing that with my two-year-old daughter, trying to reason with a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Same as what it's, you've just done at work all day. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But I think it's like what I've been, what I've put my through myself through, <clears throat> what I've put myself through over the past 10 years running a business, managing trades, managing employees, managing clients, makes managing a toddler that little bit easier <laughs> so it's yeah. um yeah it's an experience but as i said mate like it's it's the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do yeah. I, I just i honestly think yeah raising kids it's yeah nothing beats it yeah no, that's cool that's cool to think like you've just looked at it very similar to the way you do at work but you've sort of taken that that rain with it with all aspects of life you sort of attacked them all very similar to yeah. keep and it's obviously worked very well for yourself to create what it has created. Well, I think, it, uh, I mean, maybe it's, I don't know whether it's because I've got a chip on my shoulder, but I, I like to be, I like to feel like, yeah, I'm in a position where I can be a leader or people rely on me. I, I've got no, like, I want to be the person that people can come to if they if they need help or they need something done or 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 they need advice or anything like that. So whatever role I'm in, if I can project that on that person or pillar of strength or the leader, then I think um, I can be that, yeah, that support when, when people need it. Yep, yep, cool. No, that's real cool to look at. And even like going back a little bit to the social media side of things, obviously talking about the block and the exposure, yeah. would you say even like continuing with it now, have you just kept like just for more of a portfolio as well as work to keep yeah. coming through to see you're the because you're always the face of all your social media mostly talking yeah, yeah do you like obviously like being in front of the camera as well or it doesn't it's like just part I, of what I, it is i'm to be honest mate like i'm indifferent to whether i'm in front of the camera or not it doesn't yep. again doesn't really phase me i'm not doing it to build my personal brand um it's not that doesn't that doesn't interest me like i don't i don't i don't want a manager and i don't want to do i don't want to get into tv personally it's yep. not it's not really what I'm aiming for at all. The reason why I put my face to the company brand is so it's a bit more personable. What I feel with clients and everyday homeowners and mum and dad homeowners is they want to feel like they know the person who's building their home, simple as that. They're not just signing a contract with some random builder who's got an impressive logo and and a nice office, you know, it's where, they're just going to get thrown a supervisor and there's going to be no point of contact with the actual business owner. I like to create that sense of familiarity and that and that's why I do put my face on those videos so um, they can feel like they're familiar with me before I even go out to that site meeting. Um, with the block, when that first kicked off, again, that was probably, again, that was 2015 and that was before a lot of businesses were even on social media. Um, in terms of a, a business profile and things like that. So that's what kick-started. Um, and I remember thinking back, I sort of needed, I need to capitalise on this opportunity. But I was even, like, even now, like, everyone's doing, myself included, everyone's doing site updates with builders I'm talking about, site updates with their builds and things like that. I even remember I was straight out of my apprenticeship, so it would have been 2014, end of 2013, I was putting time lapses of me and the guys framing certain jobs up on my personal Facebook page and things like that. So yep. I was even trying to, even back then before I had the the, the company set up and, and the company website and social media pages, I was even pumping up what we do on my own personal page before yep. that. So it's always been a thing and it's always been a bit of a pride thing that I'm, yeah. I'm more than willing to display what we're doing. Um, I guess over the years with the exposure and the, and the branding that we've got out there, it's just gained momentum yep. and just sort of the snowball effect. It's gotten bigger and bigger. And as a result, we sort of work with brands here and there. And then that leads to, leads to one, leads to another. And yeah, we're on a billboard on freeway last oh, month as oh, well. Beautiful. So How that's that? the thing. Yeah, it just yeah. sort of, 
it's, it's bizarre, mate. Like it's never expected, but it just sort of leads one thing to another. Yep. And then other brands call me and they go, I just saw your head on the side of the freeway. So then one brand deal leads to another brand deal. And yep. and that's not what I'm striving for, but it, it's great because it supplements our everyday projects for our everyday homeowners. So yep. um, it's nothing but nothing but beneficial. Yeah, that's awesome. I like to think it just sort of that's organically happens, yeah. doesn't it? You're not yeah. pushing it, as you said. Well, I mean, I, I do... I do push it along and I mean yep. I do put a bit of money into sort of the videos and the photos and, and we do a bit of paid marketing but um, it's more just to sort of give it a bit of a bit of a prop up and, and taking that opportunity and running with it because the way I looked at it is if it, I just sort of I always thought it would be a shame if I didn't maximise the potential of the opportunity that I had simple yep. as that so it would be a bit of a cop out if I just sort of went back to my everyday work and just continued to swing swing a hammer and didn't really try and see the potential or realise the potential that the opportunity gave me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. And obviously talking about relationships as well with your partner and that kind of thing, obviously communicating it probably when you come home from work, obviously her not being in the industry. How have yeah. you sort of managed that? Like obviously it's hard for every every yeah. bloke's different. We bottle up a lot of shit yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah. But how have you sort of yeah gone through so, that? So so Courtney's a forensic psych nurse. So yep. she's um she's very much all over sort of debriefing and all that sort of thing. And she likened me to Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz who like just guard up no emotion. That's that's yeah. that's how she labels me. So I'm probably not that, not not the best to sort of let out sort of how I'm feeling or the inner workings of my mind or what's going on that day, but it's um, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but to be honest, it, it, it works. It works for me. The, the the way I sort of decompress is I'll make sure I, I get out, take the dog for a run, or or go to the gym just so I can have 45 minutes to myself, headphones in, don't talk to anyone, I don't train with anyone. It's just my time, um, and then by me doing that, that puts me in a good state of mind. So then when I get home. I'm ready to have fun with the kids. I'm 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 happy and I'm I'm in a good mood. If I skip that step, I sort of come home and I'm sort of still highly strung and I'm I'm still worked up. So um, there's no right or wrong way to manage stress and manage pressure or, or whatever you've got going on or any any sort of bad days that you have. But I think it's about having a bit of emotional intelligence as to what makes you tick and how you can be at your best. Yeah. yeah. And finding what works for you. Definitely, definitely. Because, yep. I mean, some people at the same time, like you can unload and debrief on someone, but I don't know, if they're not in the right frame of mind to deal with your shit, yep. it's like <laughs> you're burdening them, you know? So it's about trying to pick your time. And if you constantly need someone to unload or or sort of project where your head's at on other people, sometimes if someone's not there for you, how, how, how are you going to deal with your own shit? Yep. You, you need to come up with your own methods, your own devices to manage it yourself. Um, I'm not saying that you're all alone, but if you can handle it yourself and you can decompress using your own systems and your own processes, I think you regain a little bit of power and then you can, if you are having a shit day, you know how to deal with it and you know how you can get back to where you need to be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then even you mentioned then obviously gym, taking dog for a run and that kind of stuff. Would yeah. you say the fitness and the health side sort of then correlates into that as well? You sort of take pride in that, being yeah. a pride person? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's like anyone know, you all know, like if, you, if your diet's not there or if you've had a few big weekends, if you've had birthdays or weddings or bucks parties and stuff like that, everyone likes to let their hair down and have a good time. But it just makes the following week so much harder. And I'm a man of routine in terms of sort of just we were saying earlier if try and cook a bit more every night so then I've got lunches for the next day save you nicking out or being unorganised trying to trying to stop somewhere and get smoko or trying to pick up food on the way you, you once your diet or your organisation goes out the window and you lose that routine throws everything else in a spin then your sleep falls away your, your energy levels fall away you don't get to the gym because you're sore or you you, you you got no energy and it just it all starts crumbling so i think if you can get a, a really good structure work out what 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 fits for you and work out how you can structure your day to facilitate those key objectives um that's how you can be at your best yeah you can just keep showing up for yourself as such and that's 
probably yeah. something you're big on just keep ticking along and yeah i mean it's about yeah like i was saying i was saying earlier about everyone's selfish until they have a partner or have a family but at the same time even even uh thinking back like now even after you do start a family and, and you do have a partner, you still need to retain that element of selfishness to, to look after yourself. Yeah. Because if you're not looking after yourself and you're not doing what you need to do to be at your best, you're a prick of a partner, you're a prick of a dad, you're highly strung, no one wants to be around you. So, okay, it's, it, it really is about identifying what what are the most important things that I need to make sure I fit into my day because otherwise it's just, yeah... Yeah, your family's not going to look forward to you coming home. They're going to dread you coming home because you're in a you're in a foul mood because you've had a bad day at work again. So, yeah, yeah, it's about yeah just prioritising and making sure you are at your best and working out what you need to do to be there. Yeah, yeah, keep yourself ticking as you said. Find those things that instead of resorting to drinking a slab of beer every night, <laughs> find yeah. something else that gives you a bit of a kick. And I mean, everyone's different. It could be a bit of variety. It doesn't have to be every day, but I don't know. Like I've got mates that go out like once a month and ride dirt bikes out in whoop whoop so they spend they get up early on a Saturday and go out I've got other mates that are still playing footy in their mid 30s because yep. they like being around the footy club like there's no right or wrong but it's yep. it's it's all about yeah having having a bit of a personal audit and the emotional intelligence to work out okay what makes me tick and what what balances out like the highs and lows of your work and your everyday life what are the sort of um, what are the perks that I can fit into my week or my month or my days that sort of bring a bit of equilibrium between the two? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. We might wrap it up in a minute. Is there anything you want to touch on or uh, give any info on or insight on of what? No, nah, not really, man. I think yeah, pretty comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah all good. Oh, beautiful. We'll wrap it up there then. And thanks once again for making the drive down and coming. I really appreciate your time. And no, nah, pleasure, brother. It's a great opportunity, great chat, and you're doing some good things. So. Keep it no. moving. Yeah. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks, right big fella. Cheers. Thanks, man. Tough.